Welcome to my basement, everybody. I hope you are all having a fantastic day, a fantastic week. We have our good friend Bear Safi in the house right now, and it is so good to see you. Happy Friday, pal. Happy Friday. It's such a pleasure to be here. This is our second quick take of the intro. In the beginning, I had a bit of a rant about you not getting an Xbox One X, but I'm excited, Vic. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about, you know, the the end of 2020. It's just been a crazy year, but it's been an exciting year for gaming, I think. You know, we're, well, we're in that transitional phase for the next generation. People are coming out punching like Microsoft. It's We've got a lot to talk about, for sure. Every, everything's happening right now. Uh, you oh. know, all the stuff, all the big games. Uh, you know, we're playing a little Star Wars Squadron later on. Oh, and uh, uh, Crash Bandicoot 4 comes out today. And, uh, you know, oh we're, we've got some pretty cool things to talk about in our uh, you know, our discussion for Vic's Basement today. But uh, the news is heating up. Xbox Series X is starting to arrive with different people and different outlets out there. I'm not too jealous Microsoft, uh, but uh, listen, uh, listen, Vic. Let me do the rant again, all right? Because I had a beautiful <laughs> rant in the last take. Vic was the first man oh, with a camera and a microphone interviewing people. Microsoft, send this man a series. Oh, this oh, is, this is oh. not justice. Me and the EP family, we're gonna make a hashtag. All right, we stand with Vic. Okay. Unacceptable. I, I am very spoiled and have been very spoiled for a long time. I've had tons to cover and tons to talk about, so it's all right. I, I'm still, you know, plugging away on the uh, the Oculus Quest 2 uh, and the Polymega, and there's lots of games that I'm, I'm uh, guiding uh, myself and you through. Uh, and for those that are listening to this podcast out there, thank you for downloading this and listening to this uh, wherever you do. Uh, this is actually a live show that we're running right now on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash EPNTV. So if you want to watch the uh, Vic's Basement lives that we do, not all of them are live, but sometimes we do a live show, sign up and subscribe at our uh, YouTube channel and you can be a part of the uh, the community that's in the chat right now. We've got people like the VR Grid, good to see you, Cosmo Afterlife 71, Sam I M 111. Uh, thank you for your patience with our uh, early fumble today. And you guys are all awesome for being here. Uh, Go <laughs> Goku is here. Family is one of the best. It's <laughs> Goku is here. The, the, oh Goku, the one and only oh Goku is the here. The one and only Goku, the Saiyan. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, be Honeydew and North American YouTuber. Very generic North American YouTuber. I love that. Hip Hop Dan. I love I love just saying Hip Hop Dan. I sometimes just say that out loud as I'm walking down the street. <laughs> Hip Hop Dan. Uh, we got Robert <laughs> Bartell, uh, Nintendo Boy 17, D9000. Uh, lots of people. You guys are incredible. Thank you for joining us on this. Fridays at Vicks. That's right, Abby Jamison. All things are, all bets are off. All things are on the table. And every other kind of weird thing that I could throw out there, every analogy I can make. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you doing, my friend? Everything good, Bear? I'm doing great, man. This has been obviously a crazy year. We've talked yep. about it before, but yep. it's also been a great year for all of us. We got, we got to make the best of it, right? So it's yeah. It's been a great year to kind of reflect on really what we want to do. It's It's been a great year to really learn some skills that we've always wanted to learn, but never had the time. Now that we're home, you know, we're saving on travel time and, and obviously we're not really going out and traveling as much. I learned um, OBS a little bit. A little I know bit. you learned OBS. Look at Vic. <laughs> Vic has turned into the one man army during this time. Listen, a little bit. For me, like, yeah, a little, no, no, you're... <laughs> Me too. Like, you know, I, I've been really into, uh, you know, console modding because I have a bunch of old, broken childhood consoles. And two months ago, I would have been so scared to pick up a soldering iron. Yeah. And now I'm repaired. I just repaired my, my childhood Dreamcast. And it's been the most fulfilling thing ever to just now have all these tools and, and fix little things. It's just there's been some positive uh, of this year, even though it's been a very hard year for all of us. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I totally reflect that to anyone else. You know, if you... Or having a tough time just try something new you know pick up that language you've always wanted to pick up you know try that game you've always wanted to play this is a great year to go back and play retro games look at vic he's doing side scrolling superheroes vic you like that plug yeah. um so it's you know it's it's been an interesting year the least but uh, i'm having a good time i'm trying to make the best of it for sure yeah there's uh there are some benefits and some bonuses to all this let me know how the audio mix is as well can you guys hear bear okay and uh if we sound you know roughly the same i can't hear the output of the stream so i'm really i'm just i can hear bear in my headset he sounds great to me 
Um, now, I gave us some topics to get into today, and I love the fact that you started off talking about console modding and retro gaming, because I feel like <laughs> this has been a year, I, I almost put this in, but it's almost like its own Vic's basement, but this has been a year to celebrate the 90s in video games in yeah. a way. Like even today with uh, uh, Star Wars Squadrons and with um, Crash 4, even though they're brand new games, don't they represent the you know, this 90s era, like the old X-Wing games and Rogue Squadron games. And it's like, you know, Crash 4 is a real, just a pickup right from Crash 3. We had Tony Hawk not too long ago, Final oh, yeah. Fantasy 7 remake. It just feels you're, like it's being celebrated right now. You're absolutely right. You know, I feel like in the last 10 years, we've really been celebrating the 80s a lot. Yeah. There's been a lot of celebration and we, we you know, we saw shows like Stranger Things and a lot of documentaries about, you know, how amazing the 80s were, which which really was an amazing time mm -hmm. in, in all industries. But I feel like you're right. We're now coming to that time. And now, you know, the 90s are 30 years ago, you know, like it's 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 now time to go back and have that nostalgia for for the 90s, because so many great things have come out from there. And I was, you know, even watching the documentary High Score, it just it's crazy to just realize how we went from the Super Nintendo era, you know, and then to literally to 3D, like it was such yeah. a big jump, you know, yeah. it was, I don't think we've ever had a jump that big in ever, you know, and- in, in... Uh, Dude, I sold the show based on that jump, Yeah, you know? Like <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was having meetings with, you know, broadcast executives and I was saying, everything is gonna change right now. You know, all those side-scrolling games, the, yeah. you know, remember Qbert and Pac-Man, all those I things know. that you love? We're going into 3D, and these games are <laughs> these games are gonna blow your freaking mind. They're gonna look like yeah. we're watching movies, and you're you're the camera operator and the director yeah. and the main character. And you and weren't that, wrong. Look, and look that's at a, now. yeah, it's what's happened. Yeah. But know. here's what also is happening: is we're kind of appreciating all of those classic days. You're repairing a Dreamcast yeah. right now. The other game that just came out that comes to mind is Hot Shot Racing. You know that. Uh, that it's a it's an, a totally cool game. Sumo, I think, helped to bring it out there, and Sumo's done some great racing games, uh, like yeah. Sonic uh, Racing Transformed. Great studio, uh, but there it's an indie developer that they partnered with, and it's such a cool thing. It's like a low poly, low texture, modern interpretation of like an outrun, and it looks and and flows and and uh, screams. It's a it's a beautiful game, you know. And there's yeah, lots of stuff like that. We've talked about it a lot, Vic, too, is like, I feel like the indie games and, and especially the small studios is where we're going to see those risks and the, the creativity really happen, right? We're yeah. sadly at a point now where AAA games just cost so much money right. that everyone has to play it safe. You know, there's there's a bit of a formula. We got to have a little bit of open world elements. We got to, you know, make sure it's narratively strong in this way. But indie games really kind of push forward and, and, and try something completely new and crazy. And that's why we see... Yep such breakthrough successes you know like we saw fall guys you can go 10 years back minecraft you know it was just kind of a crazy concept that you never see come totally. out of a, a big studio which we'll talk about minecraft and, and smash bros everything in the future but yeah it's 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 an interesting time and it's you know something we really got to celebrate i'm so excited for this next generation and right uh just i i love the fact that microsoft is coming with with their boxing gloves I don't love the fact, though, you know, not to change topics, that Microsoft really is trying to do their own thing, and I think they will succeed at that. They're trying to be, you know, the, the game service, the Netflix of gaming. Whereas, you know, like Nintendo kind of became their own thing, too. I think Nintendo wasn't part of the console war for a while now, right? Right, just right. Everybody way. loves Nintendo and what they've done. Everyone loves Nintendo and what they've done, and I think yeah. Microsoft's trying to find their own path right now. We're like, you know, we don't need to do this battle with PlayStation and Sony let us do our own, you know, thing here and 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 get a, a head start because everyone's going to eventually do this games of service uh, plan. And yeah. obviously, you know, Microsoft has been killing it with that. But it's it's a little it's a little upsetting because I do miss the days when Microsoft would would come up on stage and be like, you can only play this on Xbox. Right. You can only experience this here on this console. And the reason why the PS4 succeeded so much was because of the battle between the 360 and the PS3. You know, yeah. obviously at the end of the life cycle, PS3 just just outsold the 360 by a bit. But most of the console war, 360 was winning. You know, it was, it was a much cheaper console. It was easier to program for. Uh, you know, 
I had the great online service that everyone really wanted because everyone was playing Call of Duty and all these games. So they had such a great foundation. And that's when I think Sony was like, okay, we need to step this up. We can't have a, you know, $700 console that, you know, has half-assed online and is really difficult to program for. I mean, you could talk to a lot of programmers about, uh, you know, studios figuring out how to program for the PS3. So yeah. It's I you know, did I did actually, <laughs> yeah. Because we, I, I, I know, but what I'm trying to get to is competition is so good, right? For this industry, for any industry. Well, what you what you're bringing up though is like three different takes at this, and three different yeah. totally different strategies, and it's very analogous to the way that video games are uh, consumed as well, right? Yeah. It's so scattershot, it's so smeared across the landscape. And there's so many different ways in, like with Apple and Apple Arcade and Stadia and now Amazon Luna. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo have each got their own trajectory and they they are in competition. But it's almost like they are saying we don't we can't really think about the other guys. We have to think about the other sphere, the other entertainment. And the only way to compete is to completely be different, you know? But there's a couple things that Microsoft is doing that are um, absolutely incredible. And and, uh, clearly, this idea of Game Pass everywhere is one of them. Uh, Mm -hmm. But backwards compatibility is also a huge thing there. I feel like they don't get enough credit for that, by the way, Vic. Their backwards compatibility is absolutely gorgeous. And I can't wait to see what else they do. Like, if you put a copy of Ninja Gaiden Black on your you know xbox one x right now it, it's gorgeous absolutely it's just absolutely gorgeous yeah. and i don't know why that's not being celebrated more and i don't know why people are not pushing sony more to really catch up because it's it's so sad that we well can't the, i mean their strategy it. is uh, you know and we're going to talk a little bit about both of their different strategies as it pertains to the the topics we've set for today but their strategy is um, if we're going to ask people to invest in the new hardware, let's make stuff that really shows up what the new hardware can do. And that's a yeah. sound strategy for that audience that wants to yeah. buy the new machine. And I think that there's a lot of people that are going in the direction of Xbox looking on with Envy and PlayStation's direction. And likewise, a lot of people going with PlayStation are looking on with Envy with some of the strategies that Microsoft has got. And that I think everybody is like, why, why don't we have a little bit of that switch action? You know, like, why yeah. can't we, why can't, why don't we have a little portable thing that everybody wants to, you Sony know, carry along with them? Sony just nearly dropped the ball with the Vita, man. If they just, like, didn't make the memory card so proprietary, you know, like, the fact that it's just small things, like, led to the failure of the Vita. But that machine for its time was so great with the OLED totally. screen. And they, they had the right mindset, just the execution. And they were a little bit greedy with it. Uh, killed them. But mm-hmm. one thing that I, I really like about Sony, and a lot of people might disagree with me about this, yeah. is they come they come out swinging. And they always want people to play on their console, on their platform, right. no matter what the backlash is. You know, you look at a great examples, actually, the Avengers game. You know, Spider-Man coming as DLC, and you can only play him on this console. <laughs> the, it, it's great, but it's such old school tactics. It you is know? an old school tactic. It's, it's it from is. the playbook of the console wars. It's yeah. that kind of thinking. It's working for Sony now. I don't know if it will work for Sony forever. Um, and if Microsoft keeps buying studios, I can almost <laughs> certainly guarantee that it will not. Because what yeah. Microsoft will try to do is put Game Pass everywhere, including... And this is what's interesting as we, we go into our uh, discussion here, uh, up to and including its competitors' devices. So yeah. I can see a future where we'll, we'll have a Game Pass app on PlayStation, and it won't make sense for PlayStation to say no, because it'll just be another feature ad for their device. You know, And if, if Game Pass is running on iOS, Android, seems kind of likely that they're going to work with Nintendo because we're going to talk about that in a second. Yeah. And, and, you know, Apple TV and wherever, wherever else the thing can exist. Um, it, it'll be weird if Sony's the only place where you can't yeah. get it, right? <laughs> it's like Netflix. But, you expect but, Netflix to be everywhere. Yeah, they're, they're kind of manipulating us, though. The more they say this stuff, the more we're like, oh, if we buy a multi-platform game, and let's face it, Vic, probably you and I play most of our multi-platform games, and we love Xbox. Yeah. We probably play them mostly on PS4. And- I, no, I, when the Xbox One X came out, I was happy to get a, a code for either one of the platforms. Um, oh. And Xbox One X is... Uh, 
uh, you know, it's more powerful. It is a know? more powerful machine. It's a great machine. Like I played Control on Xbox One X, and uh, yeah. and it was uh, gorgeous. You know, so yeah. uh, and there's I think there's a little bit more horsepower in the Xbox Series X. We're getting into console war war territory. <laughs> this is like we're adding fuel to the tinder right now. Yeah. Uh, no, it's interesting. Hold on, I have to give a shout out to uh, we had a, a a new member join us. Uh, where oh, it's uh, Robert Martell. Welcome. Thank you so much for your support. Um, there is a lot of chat going on in here, too. I, I promise we'll get to that in, in just a second, but I feel like we should get on to one of our topics because one Let's of the things it. that we're going to do as part of this live stream is we're going to uh, play a little uh, um, uh, multiplayer Star Wars Squadrons. Hopefully the Internet Gremlins are all okay for this. Uh, but, you know, obviously we're not going to play that for the audio version if you happen to be listening to this right now. But know that that's also one of the cool things that you, you can... You better watch my tail, Vic. All right? You better be a good teammate because... <laughs> gotta win all right uh all right sam sam i am one 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 um we got kevin smitty in here jason mann uh we've got uh paul adamson thank you for uh bearing with us with uh, some of the technical hiccups that we've had so far um i've got a comment here from uh, nintendo boy 17 sony should have done one more handheld before calling it quits it was just one mo one major failure nintendo that's never an, quit after virtual boy or the wii u yeah, yeah. but they uh, yes, I would counter that though, Nintendo Boy 17. They saw that it was smarter to bring it all together onto one platform and let their developers do their best work across one machine. I don't see, unless they create some kind of a retro handheld that it lets you play all kinds of classic stuff, which would not be, uh, you know, that would be very smart of them to do that, where you can, they'd open up a Game Boy store or something that you could download all that stuff. Um, I don't see them doing that again. I think the Switch is kind of their roadmap for a while, you know, and until there's like a Nintendo app at some point, you know, I don't know. We're getting into uh, some future territory, but let's talk a little bit about the mixing of worlds, specifically uh, as it comes to uh, Minecraft characters in Smash Brothers uh, Ultimate, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Yeah. What did you think of the uh, the, the announcement? You know, Vic, when I first saw it, I, I thought I was getting trolled. I'm like, is it April? Is this, you know, I, I couldn't believe it really. I know they, they, there was discussions about people mentioning it. And I don't know if people were joking about it, but it's crazy. It, it just felt, it felt surreal. It felt like a fan mod, to be honest with you. Anyone who here really knows Smash Bros knows that Smash Bros community has a really big modding community with Project M and a few others that came out in the last five years. And it, it felt like that. I was like... Am I seeing Mario with Steve and Creepers? Like, I can't even imagine what Notch is thinking right now, sitting in his millions from Microsoft in a pool of money. Yeah. He's probably, you know, I, I can't even fathom because I remember seeing Minecraft, you know, 10 years ago now, like early 2010. Right. You know, a Let's Player named C Nanners, I think, was playing it. And I would have never expected a day where all these characters are going to be playable in a Smash series. Uh, but absolutely, you know, I, I like it. I, I like it. Just, just was a very shocking addition, to say the least. I mean, it makes sense though. There's so much ubiquity around the the uh, you know the Minecraft property and that relationship with Nintendo. Mm -hmm. it, it's a great fit on the Switch, you know. And they added all the Nintendo bits to Minecraft. I feel like this, uh, you you know, may have been part of the negotiations on how they added the Nintendo kind of content to Minecraft uh, with a. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, a discussion that they were going to also partner on something else down the road. Um, but it, I don't know, I feel like it's a good fit and it feels like there's going to be a lot of, instead of just destroying the world, which you normally do in Smash Brothers and all kinds of carnages <laughs> happen, now you're going to be able to create stuff in the world, right? A little, you're going to Fortnite it up a little bit, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's clear they had discussions as Banjo was added, which was already a huge, you know, a team up. For right. Smash Bros. Another Banjo's, that's, Microsoft apartment uh, deal right there, right? Yeah. So they're working closely. Like at this point, Vic, I would not be surprised if Master Chief comes into Smash Bros. You know, I think it, it, it would it makes sense. I think it would be something that a lot of people would be excited about because even, even if people aren't playing Halo today, yeah, a lot of people grew up with Halo. And a lot of people, of course, know that franchise. And that just seems like the perfect fit. 
And Rock Yeah says that he read that Nintendo and Microsoft have been talking about this for five years. And I, I think yeah. when they started the negotiations on how they were going to partner, I think that they had some very specific goal lines of uh, blending worlds. And Smash is that, you know, it's that olive branch, you know. Yeah. I, honestly, I would like to see Sony work with Nintendo on some Smash stuff, you know. Like Sony tried to replicate it with the PlayStation All-Stars, but they have so many indelible characters of their own it would be cool if they you know went into that universe it seems highly unlikely but that, i that, love that I this mean. is happening uh, this is exactly what i mean sony is just swinging still Vic. like like yeah. sony is still in 2008 2007 where they're trying to like just fight the competition but i, I absolutely agree with you when, every time i see one of these smash trailers though the first thing that comes to my mind is how the hell are they going to top this for the next Smash right. game? Like, like, what's the trailer for the next Smash game going to be like? Look, we have twenty characters. Like, uh, yeah, everyone is so spoiled at this point yep. that with with Smash Ultimate, I just I just don't understand. We're we just going to keep re-releasing Smash Ultimate for the next generation and keep adding characters because absolutely crazy. The only real direction they could go is is doing like a melee 2.0 because i i don't know if you know but melee is kind of the competitive smash bros game it's got a lot of advanced techniques like wave dashing it's like the most tournament heavy smash right. bros game right and it, if they it, really start embrace that that'd probably be the only thing that could really top the smash ultimate roster and they can keep adding characters as dlc but otherwise I don't know what Sakurai is going to do. I think this might be his last Smash game. I mean, he said that for every Smash game he's done in the past three. It sounds um, like he's he's trying to go out with a bang, right? And and continue to surprise us with new directions and new ideas. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that there is a... Um, uh, a sense of like, oh, this fits, you know, this, this, it, it's a crazy thing, but it fits with Nintendo and it fits with the, uh, uh, the universal kind of charm and, and adoration that people have for regular Nintendo characters and most of the other roster out there. Uh, but it certainly does make you wonder what, what could they do? Like, like bear what would you like to see in an in a new smash brothers game <laughs> listen Vic. the moment that i was able to play a solid snake against cloud that was yeah. my dream come true already <laughs> like that was the craziest thing i've ever experienced that you know just just the the 10 year old me would have like pooped his pants seeing yeah. that you know like it's, it's yeah. something that you you get April Fool's on even even I remember back in 2008 when they added Sonic or 2007 was when they were doing the Smash Dojo website. I don't know if any of you guys remember that. Those very that's a rewind for all you Smash fans, but it's it's crazy to the point that we've gotten and I I really don't know the direction, Vic. I have no clue, but if it was up to me, I would embrace Melee. I would give it to uh, a North American studio. Right. Because I feel like North North America really embraces what the audience wants. And the team that did the Project M mod for the Wii was that was an incredible, well put together piece. Uh, I think a lot of your viewers probably have tried it. And I, I feel like the, a team could really, you know, embrace Melee and the tournament scene and make it probably one of the biggest games. So uh, they, they should do a Super Smash Brothers Melee 2. I, that would be my my. So so take yeah. this. We're talking next iteration of Switch, likely, right? Yeah, yeah. They, I would. Yeah, this. I mean, there, there's still more characters to be added to this game. I don't think they're completely done yet, if I'm not mistaken. It's been a while since I played. Does this make you want to play again, though? Like when they when they announce <laughs> that Minecraft characters are going to be in Switch, like, I, I want to try that out. I, I want to try it out. I just want to see how weird. Because I mean, I I went through my Minecraft phase. I still love Minecraft. Minecraft just came to PSVR, by the way, which I'm so excited to play. I haven't tried it yet. Right. But I I do want to give it a go. I just want to see how weird these characters are. And the Smash team is so talented. They're so good at translating, you know, a character, you know, a, a gameplay from another series and franchise and translating it into over Smash Bros. And we've seen that time and time again. Right. And I'm just curious to see what the hell they're going to do with 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 uh, Minecraft. So I'll absolutely absolutely give it a try. But it's 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 a crazy time we live in, Vic. Like, <laughs> I know that we're, we're all accepting of this because we've had our clouds. We had the Dragon Quest characters. We've had, you know, characters from Persona and Smash. We had Bayonetta, which is crazy. Right. But man, just thinking 10 even 10 years ago, I just would never have believed that we would have been at this point. 
to be honest. Like, it's, uh, it's crazy. Prestolin says uh, Sakurai is going on a 10-year vacation after the DLC pass. <laughs> He's been working since Smash 4 started. It, it, it does feel like the longest-running game ever, right? Like, with wow. new content. Well, actually, Unreal Tournament just got a uh, an update. I don't know if you read about that. But really? They, they just did a patch, and it fixed... What? 13 years worth of issues. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that insane? <laughs> Left 4 Dead 2, even with Left 4 Dead 2, which is even like that old of a game, when they right. got the last stand patch that came out a few weeks ago now, I was shocked. I was like, man, this is this is a really cool world we live in because, you know, it, we're getting updates to literally, you know, 10, 15-year-old games and they're still going strong. And right. It's kind of the beauty of being able to patch an existing game. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's um, you know, honestly, it's going to be very interesting to see how this game continues because obviously the yeah. install base is huge, not just the new content and stuff, but when, you know, the Switch gets supplanted by whatever new hardware Nintendo is cooking up, there are still going to be millions of people still playing this game. Do you do you think that, that Ultimate will end up becoming as universally kind of adored by the e-sports kind of community as Melee? I know it isn't yet, yeah. but do you think it will become that? Uh, you know, it, it somewhat is. I mean, Nintendo had its push. I mean, this year has actually been a very rough year with for yeah. Smash fans. I won't go into a lot of details on that. Or eSports in general has been just a rough e year. Just eSports in general and yeah. eSports for Smash. There's just been a lot of things. Oh, yeah, top, right. Top yes. players. Yes, yeah. But... The weird thing about every Smash game, Vic, and I'll tell you this is a little insight of if you guys are, don't know anything about esports and Smash, is that the communities for each game are so different. There are right. very few players that will dabble into each Smash game at the same time. Mm. But there are the Melee guys, there are the Brawl guys, and then there are the Smash Ultimate guys and Smash 4, Smash Ultimate are kind of uh, in, in, in one. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because they're just a completely crowd of people. So when there's a huge Smash tournament, there's a different crowd for Ultimate and a whole different crowd for Melee. And those two worlds don't come together very often. Like I said, just you know, one player, maybe Mewtwo King, and, and a few others probably dabble in both games and can be consistent top players in both games. So right. it would be nice if there was something that really brought everyone together. Mm. Smash Ultimate was the right direction. They made it a lot more fast paced than four. They made it a little bit more aggressive because Smash Four was still I felt a bit more of a, a defensive game. Wh um, which one? Which one was Smash Four? That was the Wii. That's the yeah. Wii Smash U. Four, yeah. Yeah. Wii, Wii or Wii U? Wii U, Wii U 3DS. Okay. Yeah, it's called oh, Smash, yeah, oh, yes. 4, Smash, Smash Four. Smash okay. Four. Yeah. F O R Wii U and uh, 3DS, but everyone just calls it Smash Four. Okay. I'm, so I'm trying. I'm honestly, there's been so many freaking updates to this game. Like, I can't keep it all straight. You know, they all awesome. have a, a bajillion characters in them. <laughs> yeah. um, people are talking about Don Matrick in the uh, in the chat. Sam, I am one one one. A lot of lot of hate going towards Don Matrick. Um, and Sam, I am one one one. Said Don Matrick was originally against the idea of an Xbox or Microsoft gaming console to begin with, and then was promoted to the head of Xbox. Um, and uh, I have an, a slightly interesting perspective with Don because I've known him obviously since uh, 1995. We we had him in in uh, our um, demo material for Electric Playground. I, I actually uh, asked him, who was the head of Electronic Arts Canada, and uh, Stu uh, Jackson, I believe. Stu Jackson was the head of the Grizzlies. He was the GM of the Vancouver Grizzlies, and I got them together to play uh, uh, NBA Live '95 on the Super Nintendo, oh, and they had, cool, we right? shot a whole segment of those guys playing together. And we were at the uh, groundbreaking ceremony for EA Canada, um, and I've kept in, Don, in touch with Don over the years, and he is uh, he's an incredibly important person in the video game industry because a lot of what he kind of dreamt of he actually was able to achieve with EA Canada and then obviously got you know majorly promoted within Electronic Arts and then took the position over at Xbox. And I think what, and I've talked a little bit about this in, in uh, podcasts and streams and stuff before, but I think what happens with a lot of creative people that genuinely love this industry, and Don is one of those people. Like he was a teenage sensation working on a game called um, Evolution and uh, pitched that to uh, to the world, made some money off of that, and then started uh, 
uh, uh, EA Canada. I forget the name of the, uh, it was started with a D, but he started EA Canada uh, and ran that for a while before EA in, in uh, San Francisco bought it out and let him be the, the person that ran the studio. And he kind of crafted a studio model. But what happens with some of these folks when they um, they sort of ride the ranks like that and, and ride, you know climb the ladder, they end up sort of changing their perspective on you know not not just creating a creative good but like trying to it's almost like sim business you know like they're trying to grow their business in some pretty massive ways and so they're they're taking big bets and big risks and um and don tried that he tried a lot of big things like locking down your digital purchases and and spending a lot in the direction of connect and spending a lot in the direction of entertainment i i think from the idea of uh uh, bringing revenue into Microsoft, but also opening up the concept of what game entertainment is and pitting it up against any other form of entertainment out there, but also ignoring a lot of the core things and the core values that gamers want. And we saw how that worked out. Not well, you know. And uh, so he, he, he's taken some um, justified... Uh, you know, anger and heat around that. But I think it's pretty easy to put him into a box and say all the problems with uh, Microsoft that uh, have ever happened have all been because of decisions that he made. And uh, honestly, that's not entirely true. Like the guy is a visionary dude. Um, but I think his his uh, his priorities shifted, his priorities and his responsibilities shifted to trying to like bring as much revenue in as possible. And I've seen that happen a lot, man. I've seen that that happened with a lot of creative people that, you know, they, they're artists for a long time. They, they're, you know, they love the industry. And then suddenly they're an art director and they're in charge of 20 different people and they never get to make any art. They're just always looking at art and uh, their focus is like paying the bills and paying the rent and making sure that everybody's shipped their, you know, work and hit their milestones. It's, it's an interesting phenomenon that success breeds and not everybody rides that for that long a lot of people just sort of parachute out and go and start something new and try to go small again you know yeah the sad thing about a lot of you know the game industry that we have to accept is you know there's shareholders and there's stocks and there's all yeah this stuff. it's a but business was, well, it's a business and you know when i was younger i remember you know just watching e3s and i was wondering why is this game being shown on this big stage and as i got older i started to understand well got to please shareholders you got to you got to please a lot of people right. to to have a successful business and yes. sometimes things are being shown for the sake of that that's that's really why i think a lot of people probably disbanded from e3 you know because it, it probably had such a huge effect on on stock prices right and it was just probably too much weighing in on one presentation that uh you know a lot of companies like sony were like no let's just have a bunch of these events scattered throughout the year the, and that well, way is always the, excitement. Yeah, and the industry's been learning a lot about perception, you know, and um, the way that the world kind of uh, really lifts its head up to care about video games. And it's tried a bunch of different things because we got to remember, like, this is a relatively young entertainment medium. It's still, yeah. and it's always reinventing itself. And so the, like, E3 presentations are a great thing to point to, and we've seen them shift. They were all about numbers and stats and trying to impress retailers and, and business reporters and things like that. And then it shifted to these are the pieces of art that we have really crafted. And, and yeah. Nintendo, I think, was really instrumental in that, making their funny little, uh, you know, their Nintendo Direct videos and getting their executives to do goofy things. And then Sony amplified that with uh, having these kind of beautiful, you know, performance evenings with some live music and, and live gameplay that just elegantly handled. But then Microsoft also would have these huge epic things where they would bring in Usher to dance, you know, or the, <laughs> the Beatles up on stage with, with yeah. uh, Rock Band. Um, yeah. But I, I think what is definitely true is, and people are applauding Phil Spencer, rightly so, um, and there's been a lot of tumultuous time at Electronic Arts since the days of Don Matrick. They made so much money and so many institutions were kind of uh, set up like, uh, uh, you know, the microtransactions and the uh, the ultimate team modes and things like that. That makes so much money. And, and so, uh, so much emphasis was placed on the dollars and the bottom line and the business sense, you know, both 
internally at these companies and externally on the reporting of these companies. And then we saw everybody complaining about all that. And I think what we've seen to kind of shift is is companies like Microsoft and even the mea culpas that uh, companies like EA have put out there and Activision as well with some of the things that they did with Crash Team Racing um, and Star Wars Battlefront 2. There's been this real move back to why we care about video games. And one of the things that I really noticed was that we saw you know, slogans from companies like Electronic Arts was like, we do this for the players, you know? And, and I that always was like, why does a game company even have to say that? I, I, it always <laughs> yeah. it always made me feel like, why do you have to remind anybody what your <laughs> core business is? Aren't like, you have no business if you have to think about like, you don't, you shouldn't ever have to say that you're for, you are the, the players make you, you know, you should never have to remind anyone that you're for the players. And I, I feel like there has become this uh, sort of global acceptance, you know, across the medium that, you know, we got to play fair. We got to play fair with everybody. And um, we got to be, and honestly, I mean, we're all seeing it, right? Like now people, you know, the, the feature set on a lot of launch titles is there are no microtransactions. Everything is yeah. free. It's all <laughs> free for everyone. And, no. and these are some hard, you know, um, lessons and uh, confessions that the, the companies have to take. But there, there's always going to be a little stumble as the, as the business kind of continues to mature. And it's, you know, and, and nobody's got it perfectly yeah. down. We've got another story here about uh, Crunch that's coming up here. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's an interactive art form, and there is a lot of dialogue for every decision. But the the I think the stories coming out of games are um, I don't know. There's a there's a, a maturity and an honesty that I'm really digging, and a, and a respect for the player that I'm really starting to dig. And you know, obviously, we're going through some complicated times, like the you know the the terrible stuff that's been happening at. Uh, um, uh, Ubisoft, and they're trying to address all of that, um, and uh, you know that that kind of keeps filtering out out there for sure. Uh, but the company, the companies, and the business is trying to play fair and um, and shift to all of this as they navigate all of these different sort of uh, environmental and economic changes and challenges, you know. Yeah. It's what always keeps this business enjoyable and challenging and um, surprising to discuss, you know. Um, but let's talk about one of these things right now that uh, has got everybody talking. It is the emergence of a brand new Peter Parker. Uh, this is uh, uh, <laughs> out of nowhere with the Spider-Man remastered edition that, uh, that you can pick up for uh, the uh, ultimate edition of uh, Miles Morales. We got a brand new Peter Parker. Looks a lot more like Tom Holland, doesn't he? He does look a lot more like Tom Holland, Vic. It's uh, I wasn't very impressed. I, I kind of liked the look of our original Peter Parker. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, when I saw some of the comparison footage, there was something about the lighting that I kind of liked about the pro version a bit more. Mm. I don't know what it was. They kind of redid what, whether it was the addition of ray tracing or whatnot, which looks amazing everywhere else I've seen it. But when yeah. I saw some of the comparison shots and there was just a little bit less lighting on you know Peter Parker's face and, and just the, the bouncing off the shadows, I was like, man, actually the, the, the version on the right when I was watching the comparison looks a little bit better. And uh, the actor, what's his name? Um, uh, it was... Uh, Yuri, uh, Yuri, Yuri Lowenthal. Lowenthal, that's right. I just, I just had him on the basement. He's, he's oh, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, and he was like, he was really cool about it. You know, he yeah. made, he made a really sweet tweet. Uh, he was kind of cracking jokes, but Insomniac's, I think, excuse was something to do with his bone structure, and yeah. that we couldn't get his full performance out. But we have to admit here, Vic, I think Disney might have a small part to do with this uh, well uh, the thing that i noticed right away is that the uh the you know the new peter parker is clearly younger than mm -hmm. the peter parker that was in the game that i have been obsessed with since 2018 it's, and i've played an multiple times game oh yeah it's God. incredible uh but i i don't think it's a bad thing you know like i feel like miles is young and Peter's going to have a little bit more of ex experience in him, but I don't feel like he should be that much older because clearly they're setting this up for a long run. You know, Spider-Man is incredibly important to Sony corporately, and they've crafted a universe now 
um, that's going to extend for many, many iterations and sequels, presumably, right? And I think that was <sighs> yeah. the the primary thing. I, when I saw it, that's the first thing that popped into my mind. Um, I, and I, honestly, it doesn't bother me that much. It's different Peter Parker, but Peter Parker's been interpreted so, interpreted so many different ways and so many times across comics and movies and TV and a- animation, games. But that's exactly why, Vic, where, where you know, I'm I'm in the other end. I feel like I like the fact that this Peter Parker looked different. I don't like the fact that they're trying to Disneyfy it and trying to show the young audience, hey, you know, this Tom Holland kind of look is the new Peter Parker. This is what we want the young generation and the young kids to grow up with. Right. Knowing Tom Holland's face, not that it's exactly his face, but it just looks similar yeah. as the Peter Parker. Because, yeah, exactly. When I grew up, you know, with Spider-Man, I, I've seen all sorts of Peter Parkers. You know, yes. like the... the like they, he comes in all shapes and sizes and you know what one of the things that stuck out for me is like the 90s spider-man cartoon which was one of my favorites yeah uh you know he just he looked completely he looked a lot older in that as well yeah and uh, i, I just kind of like the unique distinct look and i don't like the fact that everything's being put into this one bubble because what if they make you know if they make a Iron Man game. It doesn't have to look exactly like Robert Downey, right? No, like I, no. It, it shouldn't be that. It, it, these are different universes. That's why it's called the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, and... the thing that I could throw out at you is is multiverse, right? Like yeah. Sony and Insomniac, and yeah. they, they, they always have the ability to go back to character models if they want to, and they can try different things. Um, but I, I have to be honest with you. I, you know, I love the 2018 Spider-Man game. But when I saw that Peter Parker model, he did feel a little older than he kind of sounded sometimes, you know? Mm. He felt like the character himself. And Yuri's voice was awesome, and I loved his yeah. interpretation. But the script awesome. the script felt like he was still making his way, but the adult Spider-Man that we were playing didn't quite correlate, you know? Yeah. It, like the scene with MJ when they're trying to reconcile if they've got a relationship or not, that felt like a very young person's kind of discussion to me, you know? The fact yeah. that his interactions with Doc Ock, which is why I think they use that uh, piece to show off the new Peter Parker, he felt very junior in his dialogue and the script mm-hmm. choices, but his character model did look a little older for me. And I don't know if it's because I've become accustomed to Tom Holland. And the one thing that I will also say is that if they do want to create the cinema-accurate Tom Holland and merge uh, the, the, the actor and this game universe ever, they're very close to that now. It's like yeah. a couple of little tweaks, you know, and, and uh, suddenly Tom Holland is our guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. It all just feels a little Disney-fied to me, Vic. I just don't want it all to be in one. I don't want this to be the the embodiment of what spider-man is but we got a know. couple of comments here emmy says the new peter parker looks younger than miles <laughs> and, and uh, uh um eric j says he looks younger than my 12 year old nephew <laughs> and uh, uh and then sam i am 111 with a great a great take is this the deepest of fakes? It, it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? That it really felt like a deep, a bad deep fake for me a bit. You know, yeah. like, it was just I don't yeah, know, Vic. Uh, we, we'll, Doc we'll, Ock is the same, and here's a brand new person. Yeah, I, 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 he well, looks so different. It's unbelievable. We'll, we'll agree to disagree on this because yeah. I I don't love it. I just don't like that they went back into this. I, I don't think anyone complained about the model. I'm no. telling you, Vic. You might disagree with me, but I seriously think Disney had a big part in this. Well, you and... know what? I it just makes me want to play the whole damn game again. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. I've already yeah. pre-ordered it. I uh, you know I don't know if they're gonna send. I, I don't know if they're gonna send me the ultimate edition, but I'm like, there's no way <laughs> in hell I don't want to play the remastered <laughs> Spider-Man again on the PS5. You so, already uh, got the Spider-Man PS4. <laughs> I know you, Vic. I, I know. I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fired up. I can't wait for that. Um, all right, so the uh, the next subject is um, the uh, crunch time that has been going on at uh, CD Projekt Red to get Cyberpunk ready for next month. They have about oh six God. weeks to finish this game, and we're hearing about this right now. <laughs> Obviously, it was leaked, or you know, I don't like Bloomberg. I think picked up on this, so they you know they've got uh, some inside sources over there. I don't know if somebody reached out or if Man. if uh, CD Projekt Red did the the noble thing and just said no, we're changing our our attitude and our philosophy because we are they're scrambling. They got a huge game scrambling. here. They got yeah, a huge game. They got to finish know, it. Uh, 
how many years has it been big? It's been seven years since like the first teaser that trailer that we saw of Cyberpunk. I can't yeah. believe we're yeah. almost at the finish line. It's it's really sad. They're working six day work weeks right now. Was the report. But the one thing I really respect about the small interview that happened was uh, uh, Adam Budowski, I believe, who's the studio head at yeah. CD Projekt Red. He was quite transparent. You know, he I don't think he tried to kind of beat around the bush. And he was like, you know, we're really trying to fix all bugs here and we're trying to make the best thing we can. It's really sad that, you know, obviously all the, the workers there have to do that. But I would not be surprised if at least half of them really want this to be you know yeah. the game it's meant to be and they're putting the love into it and the way that interview was handled was a lot better than what i've seen other crunch time rumors right. happen with whether it was rockstar right whether it was you know the team at gearbox not getting their money for borderlands you know there was just a lot of this shady stuff going on that i absolutely hate yeah and yeah. i love the fact that cd project Greg was was just transparent they said how much they were working and that everyone's getting one day off, which is you know really sad. Yeah, but six days a week and and long hours. Um, but they have also announced that they're going to. I think it's ten percent of the profits is being distributed right back to uh, uh, the overtime pay or something. Like, there That's is incredible. a there is a, a a monetary compensation uh, nut that is going right back to all of these people that are scrambling for this. It's an incredibly important game for the industry, not just this company, but for the health and vibrancy and potential of the medium and everybody there is toiling under that they also you know had a ton of issues on the previous games like they crunched on witcher like this is a studio-wide culture this is part of this discussion that we're having and it isn't just in the you know this part of the creative sector either it's not just about video games we've had uh you know i had elias Tufexis on vic's basement talking about 14 hour days on on sets and mm -hmm. um the with the the guy that plays archie was in a, a car crash because they were shooting all all you know day and night on yeah, on yeah. riverdale and uh, it's it's a part of culture all over the place and overworking people. Uh, but there are some more complex compensation structures uh, tied to unions in other media, you know, like movies and television show. Yeah. Although it isn't in the animation world, as far as I know, and it's not in the visual effects world. The human toll on all of this is good for us to be discussing. And it's good Absolutely. for us to be mining into it, especially now that... Uh, we're all digitally connected and so many people are working from home in front of, you know, an array of monitors like I currently have right here. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know, and we're all being a lot more cognizant of, uh, of the, the toll on our minds and our bodies and, you know, being sort of tethered to machines all the time like this. Um, and the abuses that can come out of that because everybody wants their opportunity to shine and to be a part of it all, you know. And Absolutely. so I, th I think we're on the road to um, uh, some wins here. But I, I, I also feel like we are, you know, creeping ever closer to some ubiquity in engine tech so that people aren't having even more than we have now. So people aren't having to reinvent everything from the ground up every single yeah. time they set out to build, a, you know, some new content out there. And that, that is honestly one of the... The, the major things, right? Like if, if you're creating a movie or a TV show, there's a there's a lot of finite details that you can really cl clearly estimate and the pricing and the, you know, the, the manpower tool. In games, yeah. it, 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 so much of it is, it's based on experience, but then if you're, you know, a, a groundbreaking piece of entertainment like CD, Pro, uh, like uh, Cyberpunk 2077, like, how do you quantify that? How do you know when you're done on something yeah, like that? You know, I know this is the issue. This is the negative side about when we were talking how massive AAA games have gotten. Right. Yeah. It's just we, we're games are as cheap as they've ever been. Right. Like yeah. if you really adjust for inflation and they're also as big as they've ever been. Totally. And it's it's crazy with just the budgets and the hundreds and hundreds of people that are working on these games. <laughs> and it's and it's, you know, all of them have families, all of them have yes. someone to go to yes. at the end of the night. And it's it's really heartbreaking to hear that they're just, you know, giving up their lives for for you know the success of, of this game. And I'm really hoping that there's a really long vacation in place for, for all these workers. But yeah, again, yeah. I just I really appreciate the transparency. It's really good to know that hey, like we're actually working on it. Like let's 
let's not hide the the, the work culture here in the game industry because we know it's absolutely nuts. We know that even for an indie game, when it's a one or two person team, these people are giving up, you know, sixteen hours a day a lot of the time to to, to make these products. Right, and uh, there there needs to be that respect and that that transparency there, and we we absolutely need to have these conversations because uh, there's we're going to get to a point where enough is enough, you know, like it's, I, I feel like maybe they overstepped their boundaries a bit with how massive cyberpunk is, but if mm. any company could pull it off, it's probably CD project red. Well, they probably have a, a you know, a guaranteed kind of uh, quota on pre-orders. So they, they kind yeah. of know how much money is going to be rolling in to kind of recompensate um, the investments here. Uh, Marco A has a point. He says, uh, if you have to blame anyone, it's project. It's a project management issue. They should have had contingencies. Uh, barcode, barcode teacup out there. Lots of talented devs out there looking for more work. I bet. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what everybody can kind of point to around all of this stuff. Um, Eric J says, I work in IT. It's expected that overtime will be required from time to time. I have no issue with working extra, but I demand to get paid. Um, and then Robert Bar- Bartel said, Vic, they got paid overtime. It's Polish law. The company is also giving 10% of the profits back to employees as a bonus after the fact. Uh, yeah. That yeah. should always be a must, by the way. There should never be a conversation where these people are working crazy long hours, not seeing their families and not, not getting compensated. I actually love the percentage system. I love the fact that, you know, however well the game does, they're going to get a profit of that because that means that, you know, some of these developers can finally buy their family a house with all the hard work they've put in. You know, it'd be nice to get that, whatever that bonus is, where it's 50,000 or $20,000. I don't know what the numbers are going to be, but I heard for Borderlands 2, I think they did the same thing. The numbers were quite high for the bonuses. And, um, you know, it's it, it's a must. It's just an absolute must. And we should never have the conversations of people not getting paid, which we've heard in the past with other studios. Um, right. Which I, I won't mention right now. But yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's a complicated, messy um, business that is always kind of. Uh, you know, stacking improvements and learnings on top of each other. And, and uh, it's so disparate. Like it's the, the, the I, I, I actually, I, I asked uh, Elias this question about, um, oh no, it was uh, uh, Yuri. I asked this question about doing performance capture from one studio, if it feels the same working in performance capture for another studio. And it just came to me as I was talking with him, but I realized that every developer has got a new way to attack every challenge in every situation it's culture wide it's it's company wide you know uh, but i think uh you know these lessons are big and they're powerful and they're important it's like the ub stuff um you know, and we heard about Michelle Ansel was was uh, you know he he recently retired uh, from games and and the speculation is that there was a, a abuse allegations coming his way and he was kind of trying to uh, you know get out from underneath that stuff. I don't know, but it's uh, there is a lot of uh, a, a lot of a lot of growing pains. I guess is what it is, right? Where I think we should call this episode "Growing Pains." Growing pains uh, yeah. of uh, Vic's basement, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, the end result is, is um, you know, state-of-the-art entertainment that is uh, profoundly impactful uh, for not just us, all, all, the people that are already in, the, the choir that's been uh, converted, uh, mm-hmm. but also the outside world looking in going, oh my God, video games are that cool? You know, Keanu yeah. Reeves just did all of the commercial spots for this that's thing, right? Awesome. He's in the game, so but he, cool. he he was in the NBA Finals uh, hyping up Cyberpunk, you know, because he's awesome. in the spot, right? Um, God, bless. God bless Keanu, by the way. <laughs> I'm oh, so yeah. happy he's in the game. Yeah. He's breathtaking. Uh, all right, and our, our last uh, our last uh, uh, thing that we're going to talk about is NHL Rewind in uh, NHL 21. Um, I know you bring up the NHL franchise anymore, and a lot of people get angry right away. I, 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 I've, I've discovered that with sports games in general. You know, uh, people uh, really take exception to the fact that there's a lot of uh, microtransactions, and there's lots of different ways in all of the sports games for people to make money and to suck you in um but nhl 21 not only are they improving their be a pro mode and adding all kinds of new stuff in there and obviously it's taking advantage of all the lessons that they've learned this generation it looks great we're running the bit of the trailer right now um but i think one of the cool things is that uh, we're going to be able to play 
94 visuals with all the new teams and all the new players. And, That's really uh, cool. Yeah, right? NHL 94 is like what really got me into sports games, I think. You know, I, I was never even a, a huge hockey fan at the time, but NHL yep. 94 was just so fun and it felt so great. It was one of those cartridges I always had next to my N60, uh, sorry, my Super Nintendo. Yeah. Because it was just it was just such a great game, you know, and it was just I, I don't know how they perfected it like right off the gate. I think it was like the I think it was the first NHL game on the Super Nintendo. Uh, but it was just oh, magical. I'm actually going to play this. They haven't talked about any online modes or anything, but we got to suspect that we're probably going to have that. It's pre-order. Uh, it's part of the pre-order for NHL 21. So they announced it today. Uh, we're recording this on Friday. I don't know when you're going to hear this. Um, but thank you for listening, by the way, or for being here for the live show, which is so cool. Uh, but it's... Um, um, I, it, right now, it's tied to pre-ordering the final NHL 21 um, and obviously they've got to make the, the fans of the franchise happy with announcements like this and they got to get them back. There's always complaints. There always is. Every time I do an interview with anybody at EA Sports uh, about NHL, I, I, my, my inbox or my ats on Twitter get flooded, lots of hate and stuff going back at them. Um, but I, you know, I think that, that you said something incredibly important here about how you weren't even a big fan of the sport or of sports video games but this was one that you played all the time and you know i've been saying that for years and i talked with scott jones about that and tons of our video game reviews of of sports games is that somewhere along the way a lot of these sports games just kind of left the 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 sort of casual fan of of uh you know multiplayer on the couch competition behind a bit you know and i just they got a little too advanced i think yeah i think they've just gotten a little bit too for the hardcore that it's very intimidating picking up that controller. I mean, even the new 2K game has a whole new shooting system. Yes. And it's just, it's a lot to take in. Sports games are best, and which is why I love arcade sports games like the NBA Street. I love NFL Blitz. Right. You know, I, I just, FIFA Street were so fun for me because they were just so simple. It was just about positioning and, and style. And I was able to hand anyone the controller who's never played the game before and they were to pick it up in five minutes or less yeah now if i were to run through someone through you know an nba game it would take a little bit of you know time before they could shoot properly before they can move around there's just so many controls now associated yes. with it yes and even with with nhl games they had like the whole stick controls and they, they've gone through their phases yeah um where it's it you're absolutely right i love that you made that point because I, i've never really thought about it they've really have lost a lot of the casual gamer for Dude, me i i just reviewed nba 2k and we're talking yeah. about nba as the nhl footage is running over us here but uh I, one of the things that I talked about, which is the front end menu, is just a disaster. It's just a, it's just filled with all of these choices and billboards, and they want to yeah. get you to spend the money on everything, but it's just so convoluted. And I, yeah. you know, you think about obviously they they get the hardcores in right away that want to play these things, and all of them do that. I reviewed Madden, and it was the same kind of thing, but it had some accessibility with the. Um, uh, what was it? The, I can't I can't remember the mode of it, but they they had uh, uh, an arcadey football element arcade in mode, there, yeah. and there's arcadey elements in NBA, and there's going to be arcadey elements in NHL 21 as well. But yeah, they they layer in so much data and so many hype features and so many different you know ways to appreciate all the effort that's gone into the software that it's just like oh my god like how do you it's like playing rock band with somebody that's never picked up a you know if you i don't know if you ever had that experience where you handed <laughs> yeah, yeah. somebody a guitar and say okay yeah, we're yeah. in a band and they're pressing every button and you're yeah. skipping out of menus and you know like screaming at them and then the music comes and they <laughs> like I mean, bring, bring. yeah <laughs> right but when we played madden on the genesis or fifa or nhl it was nothing. It was no. Here, here's the controller. Let's play. Press start. Let's go. You know. And yeah. uh, I, I feel like one of the things that they should do if they're going to do NHL '94, EA, if you're listening, uh, make the front end menu NHL '94, so that yeah. when you boot up the game, it looks like an old Genesis cartridge, and cool. you can, and you can, if you want that, you can make the choice to just go back in the day. I also feel like every one of these sports games should have a button that says. I don't want to. I don't want anything to do with microtransactions. You should opt out. You should be able to yeah. turn on a machine and say, "I don't want to deal with anything to do with buying any more than I have right now." 
and I, sad. Sh- I should get no ads and no offers. I can I can skip all of that and just play the core thing. They're never going to do that because they want to sort of entice you somehow. Uh, but yeah, you know, like I say all this, these games are amazing. You know, like they're they're stacked on so many years of experience and and um, basic focus testing in the video game industry, and you can feel that when you play an NBA or Madden, yeah. you can complain that all you want, but there are literally thousands of hours of uh, uh, there's thousands of hours in each one of those games. You know, absolutely, absolutely. and they're asking for fifty bucks or sixty bucks. Now and, and in Canada, truth, it's more. But the sad truth about the microtransactions point you made is like you really only need one percent of the player base to really get into that yeah and they probably make a ton of money you know considering how much those games sell but right yeah you're absolutely like it's it's really sad to the point i feel like that we've gone to that that every review that you do Vic, and i watch all of them you always got to mention that portion of the game you know you yeah. gotta either say that hey i don't even want to get into that because it's always there it's always kind of like a little ghost over you of like right right you know do you want these cards do you want to you know improve your character do you want to buy these clothes um, it's, but you, it's, you know what I, I loved Madden this year too I had a great time playing Madden I didn't play it last year and that was part of why I, I enjoyed it um, mm-hmm. but I I spent I don't know I don't, 30 hours playing NBA and I'm like God and I'm barely scratching the surface I'm testing so, out yeah. everything else. it's so huge <laughs> there's so much there's so it much value in these games yeah. they're so loaded and NHL is going to be the same way you know with the be a pro and and uh the uh, outdoor rinks and all the other beautiful little pieces that they add in there. But they, it, it is like the kitchen sink type gaming. It's like it's, there's too much crap and there's too many different ways to pull the money out of you. And uh, they, they need to have modes where you can just have a buddy over that never plays this shit, that doesn't want to see all of these different ads and things and just wants to sit down and have a good time, you know? Yeah. But you know, you know what hurts me most is is the the battleground series doesn't seem to be doing very well, right? Because I think they just did WWE battlegrounds, I think it was called, and then yep. they have the NBA battlegrounds, which I think was the first one. I don't know why we just can't go back to the street series, Vic. Right? I don't know if you remember NBA Street Volume Three on the GameCube. You were of able course, to play I do. As, you were able to play as Mario. I know. You were able to play as uh, Princess Peach, and I believe Luigi was the other character. I'm going to stream that, man. I, You're going to stream it? Oh, yeah, so I'll str- good. I'll, I'll stream that after we get through this kind of crazy period of all the new things. But, uh, yeah, I want to I want to check that out on the GameCube. I think that would be awesome. Well, the what thing happened? That, like, I don't know, dude. Do that on the Switch? I mean, there's a guy. I had the, uh, the author of NBA Jam, the book, where he goes into the whole history of NBA Jam. That made billions of dollars for Midway. It was an <laughs> oh, arcade God. machine. You would see it everywhere. You'd walk yeah. in. You'd, it was always making money, you know? Yeah. It, and it became a, you know, there were multiple home versions and sequels. and It made so much money. Why wouldn't we have that? today like why like, especially on a system like the switch you know like where yeah. it, it's all about handing joy-con to people and and uh and uh doing some on the couch multiplayer yeah and i think the issue is when these arcadey games come out they're always like i don't want to say half-assed but they are kind of half-assed it seems like it was a small team putting them together i don't feel like the love and the polish is there i feel yeah. like they can take an arcadey game and really make it something really fun you know just embrace the craziness of it make it easy and p- to pick up and play yeah and you know add a bit of depth for the people who really want to get into the online modes and totally all that just it's well it's such a missed market in my opinion bring back the street games ea you're yeah. doing some good things. We're about to play an EA game. This is the other yeah. thing that we can do on the live streams is we can jump on and play a video game. So if you're listening to the audio podcast, definitely do come and uh, sign up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash EPNTV, and, uh, and join us for some of these uh, live streams and live Vix basements. Uh, but yeah, bring back the street franchise. <laughs> bring back EA Big. Bring back SSX. Oh, come on, please. EA. You're sitting yeah. on all of this stuff. And, uh, so, don't and they own Skate as well? They have, the, I guess they skate is coming. Skate, skate, yeah, skate, skate is, is finally coming. coming. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's a, how long did that take? Like Skate sold so well. I don't know what. I don't know. I, Dude, I mean, when you have this. a when you have a game like FIFA that makes a billion dollars with the Ultimate Team in a year, every year, <laughs> and you, I mean, you've got shareholders and you've got investments, and everybody's like, well, we'll take that one. That makes a billion dollars. We'll just invest that, and then you you create a culture internally where. 
company, the teams are sort of in competition with each other and for their marketing representation from each other. It, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's it's not really endemic to experimentation or to the kind of like the love of the game, right? Like the fact that mm-hmm. we don't have a new burnout, but we get Burnout Paradise remastered again is it, yeah. it's oh my god, yeah, it's it's half great. You know, where's the well, new e- burnout? Where's the new road? He's not following their own slogan, Vic. They're they're yeah. not doing it for the players a lot of the times. Because I feel like the hardcore players. Yes. The hardcore games we're talking about these franchises, but you're you're absolutely right. It's it's the you know the live or the NBA. Actually, they're not doing NBA, but the FIFA's and the NHLs that are selling. You well, know, I mean, I've got two points for any any you know executives that are listening to this right now. Okay, Mortal Kombat 11, 11 is one of the biggest, if not the biggest selling Mortal Kombat game that has been crafted. That that yeah. team started as an arcade sensation and has just been, you know, iterating and iterating and making something remarkable every year. It's a lot of the same people. That yeah, same model could have been applied to NBA Jam, 100%. NBA Jam was mainstream, you know, and, yeah. and it set the tone. NFL Blitz, you could throw in there as well, but it set the tone for arcade sports in general and it was as accessible as it could be. You're taking the the you know multi-platform cross media kind of awareness of these international conglomerates, the NBA league and the NFL league, and you're and you're basically making it as accessible as you possibly could, yeah. and allowing everybody to come in with some level of uh, um, awareness on all of that. And of course, they became massive, massive successes. You know, and then it's yeah. just—it's amazing. Like you turn off that stream; it's just weird as hell. You know? Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, we could have conversation about this forever. We've talked a lot about how many things Microsoft owns, and they've always right never succeeded. I mean, they own all of Rare. You know, why can't Banjo be the Mario of the console? You know, they have Conquers; they haven't touched. Right. Uh, obviously, Fable hasn't had a successful game in a long time. It's yeah, it's. It's crazy how many successful franchises we have in the vault that just seem like no brainers yes. to, to really pull out. But yeah. 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 And <laughs> at the same time, we also want to be engaged with something brand new that we've never seen, you know, and, and we also don't want to we don't want to harm the people that are making them <laughs> along yeah, the way, yeah, yeah. right? Absolutely. So Absolutely. we're not asking too much. Just to entertain us, but don't hurt anybody. And, <laughs> and don't forget the past. All right. No, no overtime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what are we what were we calling this episode? What was this episode? Was it the pain of something? I don't know. No, I, yeah. I, I forget the name. We we yeah. came up with the, with the name. Uh, but uh, yeah, okay. So that is our episode of Vic's Basement. Thank you so much for uh, watching and for listening. We are going to continue with a little bit of a live stream with Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, but uh, especially for the audio listeners out there, we're not going to make you listen to us play Star Wars Squadrons. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you soon. And until then, play forever.